cybersecurity information and threat intelligence sharing will be front and center in 2016 as banking regulators and legislators work to push and promote mandates and laws that reinforce the need for in-depth information sharing across industries. Cyber insurance and the roles CISOs are expected to play also will evolve, says Chris Feeney, president of BITS, the Technology and Policy Division of the Financial Services Roundtable. Here, Feeney explains how and why 2016 will mark a turning point for all that is cyber and have a significant impact on financial services. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So Chris, you and I spoke back in June when you first took the helm of BITS. At that time, you had a long to-do list aimed at improving cybersecurity, which included enhancements to cyber threat intelligence sharing, widespread adoption of .bank, and authentication enhancements built around biometrics and other technologies. Now, six months later, how would you say your visions or goals have changed? Well, Tracy, thank you, and thanks for following up later in the year for the interview. It's much appreciated. I think a lot's happened, actually, you know, especially in the last week or so, you know, with the information sharing bill passing and getting approval, I think there's a really pivotal moment for how we go about both protecting, you know, consumers and the, you know, the economic uh, systems, but also sort of working together. You know, one of the premises, if you remember from June, was that, you know, as an operator of platforms, a control owner, someone chartered with protecting information, you know, the ability to share is critical so that you can get ahead of some of the threats that are prominent out there, repeated, and then this legislation will help us do that once we get to implementation. And I think that's a key element. You know, we've um, gotten to a point where there's you know, significant agreement about it. Certainly the industry's pleased. You know, we've been proponents for some time now. The important piece now is to really work with DHS is going to be primarily the portal, you know, into this and get some clarity around how they would like to see it to start working on implementation so that you have a proper constructs in place to share information and share it in a way that, you know, really protects, you know, privacy protects the consumer, but gives the, you know, defenders, if you will, you know, good, appropriate and uh, forward-looking access on how to protect themselves and, and the industry as a whole. I think the question about the CISOs, you know, their role is changing uh, and always has been. I mean, you know, the types of threats, the frequency of threats, the types of channels those threats come in on is part of their sort of steady diet, if you will. But what's important is that they also are communicating now in a uh, sort of information sharing way to other constituents. They are very active communicating up through executive management and to the board. So I think their role is shifting. And there have to be you know, very cognitive, you know, obviously the technical aspect of threat and threat uh, defense, but also of the business aspect. And I think that's a shift for them that's been a migration of sorts. But I think the you know, 2016 will see that uh, accelerate a bit as they really have the opportunity to change the dialogue more broadly. So, Chris, you talked about legislation surrounding information sharing, and of course there has been a lot of media coverage there and getting a lot of attention. And so I'm just curious to know, do you think that we'll actually see some laws passed in 2016 related to information sharing? I guess I'd say I hope we do. I think it's going to be critical. You know, that this step is probably the most monumental step. It's been, you know, two and a half years in the making. But now with, you know, that in place, it's important to really move forward and get those laws changed. We have to be able to defend, protect, share knowledge, share, you know, what we're seeing in the field across the financial firms, and that's, you know, obviously the members we represent, but looking broadly, this is a broader question. You know, telecommunication providers are, you know, part of the infrastructure of delivery, for instance, network providers. You know, everyone is sort of maybe in the flow of a threat, so that uh, is critical to pass the legislation so that we actually have those discussions. 
And what about Dot Bank, Chris? When we spoke in June, Dot Bank was getting a lot of attention, and we had even touched on some of the ways that Dot Bank may help to enhance real-time payments. Has there been more movement there as far as Dot Bank is concerned, or do you think we'll see more movement in 2016? I think both. You know, 2015 was, I would say, a record year. It's hard to say that for, you know, a first-year company. We have, you know, 100 or more banks implemented, so we have a number of websites set up. We're doing quite a bit of work to make sure that we develop the use cases and help with the implementation of planning and implementation tools. So we think that bank has really had a very successful first year. We think, you know, in year two, it's, it's going to be very important to get more and more banks moving to the domain. It certainly provided the kinds of protections you're hoping for, you know, a very defined and, you know, I would say, even rigid set of requirements for security controls and for access and authentication of users. And that's sort of what's baked into the foundation of that bank, but increasing use is going to be very critical. And I think there's another element, you know, we are looking to launch that insurance as well in 16. So you'll see a first year launch of Dot Bank and now move towards implementation. You know, also translate into a first year launch of Dot Insurance. So we hope to see some pickup there, certainly. So going back to touch on some of the conversations surrounding legislation, we also have seen some legislation out there that surrounds data breach notification. I'm just curious to know, Chris, from your perspective, how do you think legislation such as the omnibus spending bill could influence regulatory guidance for banking institutions where data breach notification or information sharing are concerned? Well, we and we hope it moves it along. You know, what we're seeing now is sort of various views of data breach. We think we need a uniform national law. We think that's very important so that we can have notification standards, notify people in an appropriate way, try to find the right balance between you know, notifications that are important versus those that might be, you know, asked for but maybe not as relevant because of the nature of the breach, for instance. The legislation itself is just moved to the Financial Services Committee, so we're hoping it gets some momentum while there because we do think it's an important element, you know, so both interacting with, you know, your consumers or your, your users because we took institutional users as well, but also moving the industry forward on how it really deals with breaches and notifications and protections. So, Chris, I mentioned during the introduction that you believe cybersecurity expectations for CISOs are going to change, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but could you talk more about how the expectations for these chief information security officers are expected to evolve, and what will that mean for how CISOs communicate with their boards in the future? Well, I think there are a few different things. You know, one of the things that we're seeing, and it's pretty well known, is there's a proliferation of different frameworks and tools that are being put forth, whether it be by regulators or by standard bodies such as uh, NIST, or whether it be by some of the recent publications you see from some of the states, all of that has to be sort of coordinated through the CISO's uh, lens, if you will. They have to understand them. They have to be able to consolidate those. You know, we're certainly, as an industry for sure, certainly as the Financial Services Roundtable, we are very much behind the NIST work that was done. We think it's a fantastic tool for high-degree collaboration. Certainly that tool has been used for both educating control owners so that the right protections are in place and people are really monitoring and handling their technical environments appropriately, but all the way up through the board, you know, the language and construct and approach that people understand because many years, four plus years, were put into developing it, collaborating with it, educating on it. So we think that's important and that's one tool. 
for the CISO. So all the CISO now has to both understand what's happening at the maybe network administration level in one meeting and move right into a board meeting and explain some of the risk that's associated with the business, some of the performance indicators around the risk, obviously the volume. So it's important for the CISO to really touch a number of different aspects of the firm and the board and understand the risk quotient associated with that relative to the risk matrix that the chief risk officer and board has set up. And, you know, that's a lot of different conversations to have around the same topic in a way that the board members, the technology teams, and the control owners all can understand. I'm glad you touched on some of these conflicting perspectives, Chris, because I did want to ask you specifically about NIST's cybersecurity tool version 2.0 and how it conflicts in some ways with those expectations that are outlined by the cybersecurity assessment tool that was issued by the FFIEC over the summer. Where do you see there being conflicts there? We certainly believe in working with the regulators as well. We think what they're trying to do is really protect the safety and soundness, certainly. They're trying to provide you know, the industry, specifically you know, the firms that they regulate with, a set of tools to do that. But this framework is really a different concept. And we'd like to see them much more aligned. You know, there was some work done to try to align them, but we think they could be much closer. Uh, we think the you know, number of controls, the types of questions asked, the controls themselves are very different. So it's hard to pick out one area from the industry's perspective, and this framework is the, is the chassis to build on, primarily because of the collaboration that went into its uh, creation. And then, obviously, the multiple years of, of education and, you know, embedding in a set of processes. However, the CAT tool has elements that are you know, relevant, important, and very useful for the industry. So what we'd really like to see is the groups come together in a very collaborative way and develop a set of tools or, or frameworks, almost merge them in a way that they take the best of both parts and come out with a very comprehensive and very operationally achievable framework that takes the best of both. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate outcome. And we love that. I mean, the industry is very supportive of that and would love to get behind that kind of effort. I talked about cyber threat intelligence sharing earlier in our discussion here, Chris. How do you think that cyber threat intelligence could get more attention because of these cybersecurity tools? I think a few things are happening. The tool itself has gotten a lot of attention, whether it be the NIST 2.0, which is certainly what we're um, supporting, or the you know, cyber assessment tool, which has introduced some new constructs into the fight against cyber actions, if you will. Um, I think the from the legislative front, what you're seeing is, you know, the departments, so certainly Homeland Security and Treasury have you know, been active, I would say, in, in fighting cyber. The White House has also been and have been very helpful. So I think what, what you're seeing is a lot of momentum across regulators, member firms, different industries that have you know, cyber risk as a concern, and certainly the administrative agency and administration side. As legislators, that's really well known. That's pretty obvious. And certainly as the roundtable, we are constantly trying to take those points of view from each of those different areas, again, regulation, member firms, or you know, or agencies and administration into the legislative process. I think there's more and more momentum, uh, certainly more than there was sort of beginning last year. We're going into 16 with even more momentum behind that. Well, Chris, I'd like to thank you again for your time today, and I look forward to working with you in 2016. Great, Tracy. Thanks so much. Again, we've just heard from Chris Feeney of BITS. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.